Hey everyone, welcome to episode three. In this episode, Pascal and I duke it out on what would be the best way for new creatives to start their careers. So enterprise, agency, or startup. We talk more in detail about how AI can influence our creativity. And we tried a new segment called Rapid Fire Questions, which may or may not have gone so well. <laughs> you can be the judge of that. So stay tuned uh, and let's get into it. Well, I kind of got influenced by what you did and I, I spent all the big money on this Opal camera. Uh, I just yeah. got it installed. Pretty cool. I have to say, as we, you and I talked before, the package design in this is awesome. It's they, just fantastic. Know. Matte black. Uh, even when you, but even when you just buy it, you get that, you know, the, the designer on it sends you a personal email. If they have questions, they reach out to you personally. I love that. Just the small little attention detail that they're doing, the, the package design, the email, like the little welcome note inside the package. Everything is just really, really cool. I'm really enjoying it. Obviously specs aren't up to date yet. I'm going to get that all settled in, but so far really cool to see. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think that if we do, which we will have to do now, uh, we're going to have to create some hardware device or something. Uh, and maybe it has to do with that domain that that we bought. <laughs> the special domain we won't mention yet. But we have to make the first product matte black. That's a fact. But also, I, I think that that can be a whole series, which maybe we'll, we'll save for another time. But customer experience how do you design a fantastic customer experience and if you look at opal they have such a great experience not just the product but like receiving the product the whole product launch was great uh, i think that uh, it generated a lot of hype but also that made me want it more i saw people getting it and that was really great everyone posted mm -hmm. pictures about it but also the 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 personal touch you mentioned they reach out to you because that's very true they do and when, when you have problems with it, they actually are extremely uh, apologetic and they're really happy to help and, and then they do everything they can. So I think A plus for Opal, even though I had some issues with them in the past and, and some of the, the device, uh, and they actually refunded me on the device, which is really, really nice because it, it's a beta device, quote unquote. Because um, I'm mm -hmm. actually, because I got a camera, you know, sitting there in the back of the room. Um, so once, I, once, I, once we fix this kind of setup stuff, then we'll upgrade to those. But uh, yeah, no, Opal, definitely an amazing product for for what it is. And, and kudos to them and, and best of luck to that team. All right, so we'll save that customer experience thing for another episode. But for this episode, I know there were things that you wanted to discuss. And I think that yep. you and I have varying viewpoints on this. So this will be really exciting for people who uh, don't have an opinion or maybe have an opinion on one side or the other. And uh, we'll see if one of us can switch their opinion. So let's see what happens here. Why don't, why don't you introduce the topic? All right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> so as he's pointed out, we have two different career paths, like two totally career, different career paths. In mentoring sessions or one-on-one, -on -one, I often get asked the question, how do you transition between agency, startup, enterprise? Where should you start if you're coming out of school? Is there a best solution approach? Um, I have my own journey. You have your journey, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen people bounce between things. I've seen people stay in one trajectory all their lives. And I have my opinion on that topic. But as you know, we don't always agree. And we're not supposed to always agree. <laughs> but hopefully, we're going to disagree even more. But at the end, we're going to understand each other's opinion. 
So I would love for you to point, like, to reflect on mm-hmm. your career, yeah, and either why you say it's the best solution, and how would you help others figure out their path? Yeah, um, I'm gonna throw a curveball at you, and I'm gonna say there is no best path. Okay, but I'm gonna defend my path as 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 a <laughs> a more superior path. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm gonna defend my 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 path as as the argument goes however if i was to think about it my original statement was you know there is no one path that fits all there's no like yep. best path because you have to learn about how to connect the dots and rearrange them yep. the way you see it and then make sure and communicate to others how you did that and why it matters to them and that comes in various forms. There's not going to be one one path that's the best, but there are two paths that we're pre- presenting today, agency path and, and enterprise path or startup path. I guess it's several different paths, really yeah. three main paths, startup, enterprise, agency. So uh, it depends. It depends on who you are, what you like to do. Uh, I'm going to defend the enterprise first. And then we'll see where that goes. So uh, even though I I did come from, you know what? I'm going to be very honest with my path. So I started with startups. I wanted to create my own startup. I wanted to join a startup. I wanted to exit a startup, you know, exit with a startup, you know, make a lot of money (laughs) at the end. And that's the thing. That's an important point. I don't want to cut you off. Mm -hmm. But the reason a lot of people, I think, want to join a startup, it's cool. Right. I think it, it's seen as cool. It's seen as mm. you're helping out a, a company start. And like you pointed out, you want them to get to the successful part and, and, and like do the Figma and get be bought out. Well, we, we're, we're starting a company. So we have to go from zero to one. Right. And that's, I think that that's one of the most exciting things. And I it think is. it's the hardest. I really think it's the hardest because you have to find um, market fit with whatever you're de- delivering. And that is very hard to test, to to verify, and to sustain. Once you get from zero to one, I think the rest is easy. Because you know something works, you just have to keep building on top of it. Yep. And to me, that's a lot easier than going from zero to one. That's just true to me. Now, others might find, oh, no, it's much harder to go from one to a thousand, right? And that's like your first group of customers. And those customers are... Uh, usually the most loyal and, and they, they, they're early testers, but uh, they're the ones who are giving you a chance. Mm-hmm. And some people find that to be the most challenging. And there's like the thousand to a million or whatever, right? And the million to billion. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, someone said this, there was like five different types of people and each one focuses on you know, zero to one, one to a hundred, whatever yeah. it is. Um, those people all have very different focuses at each level. You have to change your focus every single time. But I find that those who focus on the zero to one and then can sustain that all the way through, they have the clearest picture because they understand all the levers at play, right? You have to be an operator that understands sales, technical, you know, the the, the CTO aspect of it. You have to understand, um, you know, the actual art, design, the branding, you know, uh, marketing, you have to understand product. You have to understand so many things, management, um, production, 
Mm-hmm. You have to understand these things. And usually one person can't do all of that if they're not a founder, just because they don't have the experience of doing it. It's not like their fault, but you can't study it in a room. You can't mm-hmm. study it on, on, on a YouTube video. You can watch people do it but you, until you do it, like what we're doing. You're not going to learn how to actually operate at each of those stages. So with that said, uh, I think that enterprises are really great to get a lot of that knowledge. Okay. So I, I'll, I'll start back by saying my, my, my path and then I'll jump into enterprise. So, uh, and then I'll, then I'll, then I'll let you speak. <laughs> you feel free to jump in whatever. Um, so the beginning was I started in school before school, before college, I created two startups and then in college I created a third startup and that one actually started to succeed. But then I, I sold my uh, shares of the company to the co-founder so that he can continue it. I don't think they really, I don't think he really took it anywhere. Um, and then he joined another company. And so we just kind of died, but it was really exciting. It was really fun. And I learned a lot about myself and what I wanted to do and how I communicate and how others communicate and how I best work with others and how I don't. And, and whatever, I think that that was a really great experience to fail. And I had a lot of opportunity to fail when I was young. Fast forward to college, I joined another startup. And uh, one of the startups that I joined actually later exited. Uh, and it was sold off, I think, to the school and it became a school project. Like from, from the school's perspective, it became something that they owned um, or the intellectual yeah. property of it. But I started off with that. And then I jumped into my first job out of college, which is maybe the whole purpose of this discussion. What's the first thing out of college? Where do you start your real adult job? I would say that I loved jumping into enterprise first. It taught me so much about stuff. And I also joined a bunch of startups that were enterprise focused too. Mm-hmm. So I had experience in building things for scale. And so that's the first thing you learn at enterprise. Like, how do you build for scale? But then, you know, we talk about, oh, what's the zero to one? Well, you also can learn that too in enterprise because there's a lot of products that start off from zero to one in an enterprise, although they already have the customers ready. So you don't really have to go look for them. You have a lot of cushion, uh, but that that part might not translate well into a startup because you're like, oh yeah, it just worked because we did it. But there were so many more people involved behind the scenes that you didn't get to interact with that did the legwork for 20 years before you to get the audience. So mm-hmm. for them, you know, yep. for those enterprise folks that are des- jumping into enterprise first, they don't have that zero to one. And I, I still think you can learn some of it there. I know that IBM, they, they funded some some projects that I don't think they, they exist anymore, but they did do the whole, like, let's create a startup, in, in, incubate it, and then yep. launch it. And um, it had some moderate success. And then I think it just wasn't, managed enough to uh succeed on its own uh it it needed more resources and it wasn't given resources so i think that there's plenty of learning you can do from enterprise i think that it can definitely learn all those different scales from zero to a million right enterprise is really not even for the billions necessarily it's for really uh companies that handle the billions and enterprise really just serves 40 to a thousand folks like users in the whole world for like three pieces of software that generate billions for the company and then they generate even more for those customers. So yeah, I because they're really complex software and it's really hard problems. Like they're very difficult problems to solve. So I would say, yeah, definitely enterprise first is 
a great way to start. But I know that you and many others that we that we worked with, they came from agencies and then kind of went into enterprise. So why don't you talk about your perspective on that? Yeah, I I understand your point, and I think the because you went to school and you came out as a UX designer, right? More of like I think that's no that could be actually. No. I went in as a graphic designer because they didn't have a UX or a product program. The program that they had was computer science. And I wasn't going to be coding okay. at that point. I, I was, I'm still dumb. And I can't code. I thought you went, I thought you came in. And I think often a reason why people choose enterprise because, you know, you get to work on more complex solutions. And so I've, they're not always sexy solutions, I would say, in enterprise software, but they're very complex and they solve for a lot. The reason I like, the path I came in for different reasons. Wait, I came wait, in, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Before you go into that, why is it not sexy? Isn't sexy like a perception? Because I can make something sexy. I can make I it feel attractive to you. But what I mean by it is, like, oftentimes people coming in are going to be, you know, designing the drop, a drop down, adding a feature, which is going to require tabs. Like it's, you're not redesigning the entire interface. You're just adding a feature. Well, sometimes. I know. Depends on what level <laughs> you are at and which, what company you're working for. So I think the enterprise software thus far is not always the sexiest or the most, you know, it's not the thing you always put on dribble. Let me put it this way. It's not, it can be, but it's not always the one that we have. I think. Mm-hmm. You and yeah. I have been lucky enough to work at enterprise level and create some, you know, fascinating solutions that yeah. can live on Dribble, while other solutions where I would never put that on Dribble, but it, it saved <laughs> millions of dollars for the company. So I think it, you know, you got to weigh it in. Okay, well, I would say then, you know you can experiment and try to make something sexy and go that that get that far but in enterprise if you fail it's not the end of the world and 99% of the time you're not going to lose your job at like what you're going to probably have to say you're going to say agency yeah you you f up you you're done you're kind of canned cuz like that's that's who you are at that point <laughs> i know it's horrible it, to say that though no and you're right and i think that you know that was a differentiator that i've noticed that I'm seeing in a lot of companies or other companies that I've joined, I started off as, you know, same as you, typical graphic designer, agency land, building up brands and, you know, print design and all that. And I always, you know, you always have to solve the world by four o'clock in the afternoon, right? And you have a gun on your head and you're like, you got to solve the world. If not, you're going to, the company's going to lose millions. You're going to lose your job. So it's always on that pressure. And, you know, I then went to, startup worlds where I was consulting and helping them build their brands and like, you know, their approach. And then I joined one of them, which I was able to help, you know, uh, go from no customers to the biggest companies in the world. And it exited uh, last year for, uh, I was in there, but I kept my stocks. Uh, It exited to Warner Media for like 100 mil. So that was a pure success story from a startup point of view. When I went to Enterprise, I realized that a lot of people are not used to pushing that creative, like pushing above, like that typical face value that you see, not pushing above that design system. They're going to use it at face value and that they're just adding a feature. Yeah, but it, it's in the feature. It's just not important. 
I think the difference is coming in as, and I'm not saying this is the better approach. Well, maybe it is. I think coming in at it with that creative aspect of it, you want to challenge everything all the time. You're always thinking of the user, but you're always trying to make it, as you pointed out, sexy. Thinking of that, you know, interaction, that pushing for further, looking at our all customer touch point. I'm not going to say always because the new designers coming up are really, really, really talented. But I, I've noticed. No, they're not. They just use chat GPT to do their work for them. Honestly, <laughs> really, honestly, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's not like the, the younger generation are friggin' talented. Uh, I've just, I've just seen a difference in perception and attitude when you came from different variations of, you know, agency startup and then enterprise. I think your backpack is filled with different approaches. You've had yeah, to wear different sure. hats, right? And I think you understand then enterprise in a different point of view. You're not approaching it in the same angle that somebody who just started enterprise and always been an enterprise. And I think the biggest arguments I've always had with, at, let's say, I'll just say IBM for that sake of the company, we're always with people that only have worked in enterprise. Like th- those were always my biggest arguments because I don't know why. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I didn't think I worked with people that just worked in enterprise at all. I think actually, as a matter of fact, my manager was uh, from Frog. Yep. Right. And actually several of the designers that were there were from Frog. So a lot of them were like, yeah, this is a lot more chill than an agency because like yeah. you said, deadlines. But also one thing I don't think you mentioned yet, agency, you kind of do a thing for like a project for a company, like another customer, and then you're done. And then you, you move on it. to the next one. Whereas an enterprise, you sit there for years working with the same users or even like, a, yes. a, you know, variations of these users. And so you get to learn and grow with them as well. And you yeah. get to see the industry change, but also you get to have a long-term understanding of how users behave. And I think to me, that's really important too, because at, at agency, you kind of see like the, 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 the facade of like what they kind of are uh, mm-hmm. from the, the, min- the minimal research that you can provide or get yes. from your, the clients or the, whatever it is. But then you don't get to carry out the, the, the vision until you just kind of package it up and give it to the client and say, all right, here you go. Now you carry it on and build on top of this, you know, but who knows if they can, because they're coming to you with the help that you can do it for them, but they don't realize necessarily that it's like not a one and done thing. It's like, this is the start. This is the start of something new. You know, you, and I think that that's where I, I often say I like in, in the one-on-ones, I always often, uh, when people ask me where to start, I often say agency is, if you want to work on something new every week or every other week or whatnot, agency is awesome because you get to mm-hmm. work on new things often. In enterprise, you're probably going to work in a part of a product, depending on the size of the company, obviously. And you're going to work on that. You're going to own it. You're going to understand it so much that you're going to build, you know, future forward work on that piece of work. You're right. sometimes going to scale outwards and work across different products, depending on where you're working. But I think that's a big differentiator. That's a big way for people to understand the difference. And if you go to startup, well, startup, you got to be comfortable in potentially wearing six hats. Because yeah. when you start a company and you're 10, you, you may be the guy who's going to do all the marketing banners, 
the marketing ads, the product design, the UI design, sit with the CEO for, so you, you also have to be comfortable in different things and learning as you're going. You're not, you don't know what you're doing because the company's adjusting and pivoting as it moves forward. So I think those are three important categories of a takeaway that people should realize when they land into something. Yeah, I think that that's true. Like at the agency, you work on multiple different things uh, and they kind of change often. At a startup, you're working on maybe one thing, but you know the mission, the vision keeps changing constantly because they're still trying to figure it out as a startup or you know things come and go that are unexpected. Whereas in enterprise, it's very expected. It moves very slow. And you work on kind of like one thing, one big thing at a time usually for, for quite a long time. So one's more monotonous, but more detailed. You kind of spend more time with people and like learn more about them, learn more about their behaviors and how they kind of react. One of them is like kind of like a package deal. You kind of ship something. And if you really like shipping, it's great. But if you like seeing through with, with the users, not maybe as great. But then as a startup, you know, you kind of get that blend of the the rush of an agency, but the focus of an enterprise. So maybe that's what we'd say about startups. We can all go from agency startup to enterprise. Is the opposite true? It's enterprise can, to startup. Can inter, let's say enterprise designer has been in an enterprise software for seven years. Can he make? Can he easily make the transition to agency? Yeah, but it's gonna hurt. <laughs> you know I what i mean the opposite is true as well like it i had to change my entire perception of what creativity is when i got to enterprise yeah true and i'm i'm i wouldn't say though that because in my experience a lot of the projects i got to work on were very much like startups where i didn't have the the resources to get things done. I had to do it all myself. So yeah. I wear multiple hats. I was focused on one thing like a startup, but I also got to ship everything that I wanted because I was so I had the I had the full ability, full creative less license to change a lot. And that included changing development stuff too. That wasn't like I was like telling developers what to do, but I was uh working with developers to fit to the design because the design was intended for the users, not trying to make the users fit into the code. So for me, I had, I had a very unique experience. I don't think many people get the opportunity to design an operating system. So it's very, you know, from scratch, it's very unique. Uh, others like at Oracle and I don't know what other, you know, major enterprises are, right? I can, I can list a couple, but I don't want to. Um, <laughs> a lot of our friends are still enterprises. Um, but, you know, they sometimes get comfortable in that one thing and that's fine for them, right? Sometimes they're at that point in life where maybe they want something more comfortable and they can focus on their family and they expect what will happen at the enterprise and how to solve those problems. They already have the tools and stuff to do it. You can't really dedicate yourself to a startup unless you're really willing to give it your all and get the buy-in from your family because that's another major thing. Like an agency and startup, I would not recommend for most people who are happy with spending time with their kids because yes. you're not going to as much it just matter of fact like we're building a business but i think you can do that when you're owning it a lot better because you decide the levers and you decide the schedule otherwise you're working for somebody else who decides your schedule for you 
And that's a big oh, difference. I, I don't miss the three up till three, four a.m. in the morning because I have a pitch in the next day that I got I got to shine up. Yeah, I don't miss that. I have to say that's something. But I do miss the adrenaline of building that perfect pitch, doing that pitch, and then winning that pitch. Mm-hmm. Like just that moment is fantastic because you've just gained a big customer. Like are, those are things that get the creative juices flowing, and I miss that reinventing the wheel every week. There's parts of it i'm not gonna lie i do miss right but knowing where i am in my career and what i want to be doing i don't think i'd throw myself at it again if if i had the choice i'm not not because i want to stay comfortable because i'm i'm not agency right agency agency yeah yeah. but i think it's and okay it, it ties me back to my second one how long is too long in the same company or Ooh. is that even a question? Yes, I, have my I opinion do, I do think there is an answer to that, but I don't think it's based on numbers. No. So I think we agree on that. Like, it's not something that you can count. Like, all right, I know we mentioned in a previous episode, we said, you know, three to five years is a good estimate. That's typically how it is. Yep. But that's not because of the number, right? It's because you understand how, like, for example, for us, at least maybe we were previously at IBM, I felt I had the same tool that solved every problem, right? Mm -hmm. And it was the same problem over and over again. Developers didn't understand necessarily what designers wanted. There was miscommunication. Uh, There's other other roadmaps at play. And you had to like, you know, wrangle everyone together. And and, it was like herding cats. And the same thing every time. You get them in a room and then you talk about it. Talk about your feelings. Talk about, you know, what's going on. <laughs> and then you say, oh, okay. Now we have to align. And then we schedule another meeting about scheduling meetings. Right? So you have this like cascading thing. But you knew the solution. It was the same thing I thought for me. Um, you know, I knew this. I knew how to design for the users. I already knew them like the back of my hand. And, and people would actually come to me from other parts of the company. Mm-hmm. And be like, all right, what do data scientists want? What do business analysts want? And it's only because I interviewed 300 of them, right? Like I know them. Mm-hmm. So I knew the answers and I didn't like knowing the answers. I didn't like being like, all right, I already have a solution. Like it's not like fun anymore because it's not, there's no creativity. Like, all right, it's, it's an A yeah. plus B equals C. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and it, it's nice because it ties, I don't know. It sort of ties back to the post I did last week on LinkedIn. And it's like, embrace the suck. You got it. Like, when you start to get comfortable, you got to get to a place where you're comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Because the minute you stop being like uncomfortable, I often see as the minute you stop growing. Because we got to, mm-hmm. you're right. I always say, and the, like the fake it till you make it part sort of plays out on that, right? I think I, every time I tell people, and it, there's, you're right, there's no number. I think there's there's always that magical moment where am I still learning? Am I still being challenged? Am I still enjoying my day-to-day job? Am I looking forward to that next week? And for me, those are all things that I look for. Like the minute I'm bored, I either, you know, move laterally, I try to move up, I look for other opportunities. And I'm not saying you need to change jobs every six months. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) <laughs> but even within your own company, I think you got to start looking for something else. Create that opportunity if it doesn't exist. But I think we have to get into the habit of being uncomfortable. Because the more we can be uncomfortable, 
the more we're able to become comfortable when a difficult situation is going to present itself. We're going to be better equipped to face those those outcomes and those elements. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a framework, or not you, but the audience, but I'm going to tell you the framework that I use to realize when you're comfortable. Because everyone tells me this, right? You know, when you're comfortable, get out. But how do you know that? Because you're in a trance. How do you know you're comfortable when you're comfortable, yep. right? It's kind of like I a like, fish in water. How do you how do you know you're swimming in water? I like the framework idea. Okay, Unless, yeah. So, I'm all ears, man. <laughs> so um, I would say number one. Hey, just wanted to take a break to let you know about something Pascal and I are working on. We're hosting a free live cohort course on how to design a winning portfolio for creatives and user-centric practitioners. That could be you. Maybe you, someone you know. Sign up on Maven by clicking the link in the description. And now... Back to the pod. I would say number one, you expect everything to be the same, right? If you wake up and you know what your day is going to be like the next day or the next week or the next month, probably you're already comfortable, right? You shouldn't really expect it. You you should expect it because you're planning it, but not because others are planning it for you, right? So if you feel for whatever reason you're you're on a schedule that is so repetitive you can recite it you're comfortable fact and that could also be when you you have your own company too maybe spice it up too but when you're working for somebody else typically if you can predict every single day and you know exactly what's going to happen how it's going to happen and you know that there's not going to be much room for, you know, wiggle room for uh, interruptions, obstacles that just throw everything off the tracks, which it happens. But oftentimes when you're 90% of the time, if you can predict it kind of the whole way through, you're comfortable. Uh, number two, I think if you're not meeting new people, and I think people forget that. Mm-hmm. When you meet new people, you get new insights. If you're stuck with the same people, and you're not learning from new people, you're not talking to new people, then you're not going to get new insights. You're going to be stuck in a bubble of the same repetitive thinking that everyone around you has, right? You need someone to come in and burst that bubble. And very fortunately, at enterprises, the churn is high, right? I think at IBM, it was like two years, one year. So the people coming in and out was more rapid, the problem with that was leadership changes too much. And then you have, you know, lack of a mission, lack of vision, roadmaps can change, whatever. But, you know, in an agency, you're talking to so many people every so often, right? Every project is a different thing. So you have different understandings coming into you and you can build upon that from yep. your previous projects. So that's kind of a good thing about that at startups a little bit. But when you're somewhere and you're, you're, you're feeling that the conversations are the same because you're talking to the same people, you know, that's number two, then probably you're comfortable. Uh, let's see. Number three, to, to know that you're comfortable and you're stagnant, you're not challenged. Yep. Uh, I think that's the third key element. If you're not challenged, then you're comfortable because if you're challenging yourself, then you, you're able to push your purpose against obstacles that prevent you from creating. And that to me is the most important game of all. 
of us trying to get something from our brain that's literally electrical bits running through your brain, going through your hands, your mind, your your voice, your 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 elements that you can kind of control into the world. That is amazing. And then to get pushback on it, it's a game. So you have to figure out how do you get your thing out while being pushed back on and the walls are caving in on you and you have to push it all out of the way and move through. That's the game. And if you're not feeling that, then you're comfortable. So it's those three things. That should be a poster right there. I mean, that's a poster <laughs> tag on the wall. <laughs> we can expand on it in like an, in the newsletter. So Okay, so recoup on the, the framework. Just titles of each category. So number one would be predicting the next day predict be able to have such a strong conviction on what the schedule is that's number one number two would be not talking to new people being stuck in your bubble and and only talking to those who have the same mindset and the same work day as you right and then number three is not being challenged so that would be the framework for understanding when you're comfortable and when you're stagnating i think it's a good framework i think it it pictures it nicely and it it ties back to a lot of the you know my my train of thought on many different pieces here um so i think i appreciate your perspective on it i'm sure others may have different opinions i'm going to challenge it in a way would you say the more experience you have the more the same problems keep repeating themselves regardless which company you're going to go i've i've noticed that in many of the roles that i've taken at different companies it's the same problem it's similar problems different people to deal with or did like procedures aren't different so you got to put them in place but i've 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 been noticing though that we're tackling many of the same principles of the the problem i think it's it's not just i would say when it's time to leave it's not just about the learning aspect of it i think it's also about not fitting in with the company anymore. It's about, you know, something beyond just the learning aspect. I mean, I agree with that. I, I don't think it necessarily is 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 something that's counterintuitive uh, to what I was saying before. Um, it's when you solve a problem, you add that to your jar of problems you've solved, right? And you can open that up whenever you want. So you okay. kind of build up that jar and it gets bigger and bigger and you got to get a new jar to fill all the problems that you've already solved with in it. Uh, because yeah, there's a lot of problems that you solve that you you know you can translate to other solutions, and I think that's part of experience. Yeah. But I don't think that that's going to make the challenge any less challenging because no. you know the solution doesn't necessarily mean you know how to solve the problem. Because so- solving the problem and, and knowing the solution, so like the solution is the end, right? But applying that solution to the problem, that's where people get you know messed up. Like sometimes, like for example, this is a great example exercising right we all know actually exercising nutrition to lose weight you have to exercise and eat right you know calories in calories out or and energy in and i don't know what the, what the saying is but basically you, you if you use energy to burn off calories you will lose weight Mo- most of the time right there's some some medical things that prevent that otherwise you know we talk about the majority of people but yet the problem isn't that people don't know that the problem isn't that the solution is something that others can't grasp. Everyone knows that exercising and eating right will help you be more fit mentally and physically, period. But 
It's not about a lack of information. It's about a lack of execution. Always. Always. Because you can read a book that has a solution in it, but until you try it, until you you test it, until you experiment, everyone can spew the same trash you know, from their mouth, but if they're not trying it, if they're not actually trying and applying it, the application of it, right, the execution is the hardest part. And that's what I think I, I pride myself on actually uh, a lot because I find that a lot of people are, are much better visual designers than I am and they can they can create better ideas than I do. Uh, but I think I'm really good at executing and getting things done and moving people to get things done. That's something I, I pride myself on. Of course, it doesn't always work out. You know, I don't think it's necessarily like like back to what you're saying about the the solution. Uh, yeah, you can you can know the solution. You already know, like, you know, you and I have solved problems together that we knew the solution of, but not necessarily did they actually pan out. No. Right? Clearly not. Even though, but we knew the solution. It was just applying the solution to the problem wasn't right. We didn't do that right necessarily. Not necessarily all of our fault either. It also can be a lot of outside factors. But what I'm saying is... There's definitely a lot of outside factors. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of outside factors. (laughs) You know, that's just a perfect example of that. It's a great, uh, a great segue to, you know, transitioning from the different career paths to this. I think it was a great, great point of view. Now, seeing in, in short amount of time, it, it takes me to like a different question because we're talking about execution and you're talking about speed and efficiency and whatnot. I often have conversations about wireframing or hi-fi and especially now that we have figma components and the design systems in play what's your take on i'm gonna and i'm gonna throw some questions in there that maybe you're not gonna think of okay okay so if we go back the best place to start your career enterprise agency to start up i still say enterprise (laughs) i think enterprise but it depends on what you are trying to get out of it it's your rapid fire, so you got the right to say what you want. Sure. Mine are going to be different. Okay. Okay. Paper uh, paper sketches, wireframing, or hi-fi? Paper sketches, wireframing, or hi-fi? Definitely paper sketches first because I can better understand the general purpose of something if I'm drawing it and not worrying about the computer, the pixels, getting Figma running, and um, figuring out what other people are going to think of it. It's just my ideas and the thing. That's your opinion. PC or Mac? <laughs> oh, uh, I hate this question because it everyone gets mad about it. But I use Mac because it's just simpler. But I think that the recent update of Ventura makes it as bad as Windows normally is. So I okay. think Linux. <laughs> Man, I was with you up until that one. It was the only one we were together on that one. Okay. Is brutalism a positive in design? Or no. did it bring positivity to design? No. None. I think it crushed every what? bit of creativity. And well, so it came out of like the war, right? Bu- building concrete buildings to withstand, you know, injury to, to the structure, but also uh, to, to be a rejection uh, of, of, I forgot the notion was, uh, of this kind of like uh, overdone, uh, you know, uh, eccentric styling. Or whatnot. Maybe I'm totally wrong on this. So please, someone correct me if I'm wrong on this. But Let's I go back to our history books. But it's not good. It's not good because people think 
that that looks nice. There's nothing nice about it. I think it can look, it can, it can, I think it could be experienced nice, as in your interpretation of it can be nice. But I don't think it's necessarily inherently nice. It's the same thing about if you said somebody or like 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 a bug. Like a bug's not nice looking, right? But in its element, if you're talking about bugs and which is the nicest looking bug, right? Then there's like qualities and measurements that you use in that moment that can measure, oh, this one's a beautiful beetle, right? But if you're talking about architecture, you know, I'm under the press. So I, I have the opinion that there is objective beauty and biologically. And I think that I think that brutalism doesn't fit that 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 uh, <laughs> that scope because okay. it's just ugly as hell. Okay. <laughs> and I can actually I can go a lot more on that, but it's rapid fire. Oh, so I'll no, stop there. That was a long winded rapid. Sorry. Fire. It's OK. Design systems are necessary. No. Great. We agree. <laughs> mobile native needs its own design system for web design M- sorry say it again mobile native yeah. versus uh no let me recap mobile native needs its own design system for web design like a like a mobile native app like an ios app yes. that's built with with swift uh, and swift ui or an android app built with whatever their pl- platform code whatever they're doing java whatever it is um Yes. Native app versus mobile app. Native wait, native versus mobile. Yeah, aren't they both? No. <laughs> mobile web. Mobile like, web. Like, like a PWA, like a progressive yeah. web app, you mean? Yes. That's another way. Okay. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? <laughs> a trick I'm, question? I'm trying to get all the questions in my head. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that, it, again, but this one depends because like at rendering yes, at native APIs, uh, PWAs can do mostly what natives can do, but natives obviously harder to build, but also more capable. So I would say if we're talking about experience, native, if we're talking about uh, capability, it's, PWAs are not far off anymore, but and the experience is actually getting better. So rendering is better. So also PWA. So I'm actually, I am under the opinion of it depends on the situation and, and the company. Sketch or Figma? Sketch, 100%. Awesome. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Team sketch. <laughs> it's okay. On that same opinion, is do you see the purchase of Figma, not disregard Adobe or not, as a positive sign for the industry or not? If yeah, we're... because well, actually no, because it was have to you have to talk about Adobe because because it was bought by another creative company. It wasn't bought by another industry that can leverage it. It wasn't like Microsoft I... bought it, right? Which they still could invent technically, but no, please don't. No, please don't. But you know, I think that it it shows that we can build really great software for creative people, and it be worth and valuable to the point where it's worth twenty billion dollars. Probably now, yes. like sixteen at this point. But yeah. Okay. Last question. This is going to tie into probably our next podcast. AI will replace designers' creative work sooner than we think. Yes. It's fucking scary. It's terrifying. And honest, in all honesty, I'm, I totally understand the positivity, positivity that AI can bring. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we can't even measure what it's going to do at the end. It's, it's friggin' scary. Uh, I think that 
you're right. And I think that you and I both have the experience knowing the tools that we were building and with the infrastructure that we were working with before to understand a little bit more than what the general public understands about these cool stable diffusion models or these, you know, other large language models or, you know, the chat GPT model, right? All these other things, right? They are scary good much sooner than we predicted they would be released. I thought it was going to be another like five years at least. It was like two years, one mm-hmm. year, not even months. So we're seeing such a rapid growth in releasing of these new models. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I like the rapid fire question. Yes, it's going to replace the tasks that we do faster and faster. And it's becoming better at replacing complex tasks. And like illustration is number one. That's already done. Dunzo. But UI, I've seen people use chat GPT to now do UI work, like portfolio, like a very stale template portfolio, but it works. It's starting to happen. And so it's only a matter of time before it starts creating really great uh, experiences that are measurable by outcomes, you know, it, yes. it, 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 are, are people converting better with this new UI versus other UI and AI will be able to A-B test live hundreds of tests a minute mm-hmm. faster than any human can set it up and design uh-huh. it and think about it. 100%. It's scary. It, it's scary if you think maybe about that's it. what we, maybe that's the thing we build. Maybe that's one of the things we build. It's definitely going to be a thing we build, but it's still <laughs> at, at the end of the day, if you think about it, it's scary to think that yeah. we're there. We're at that point. We're very close to it. Very close. All awesome, right. Mitch. Thanks for participating in this rapid fire. I mean, we definitely need to get better at this rapid fire stuff, but we have yeah. tons of other rapid fire questions. It's gonna, We need to really have fun with this one. Cool, cool. I got to jump to another call, but uh, that wraps up episode three. Thanks, man. Cheers.